welcome to the Unstuck Your Life podcast. I'm your host and life coach, Pamela Hughes. Every week, we're going to start to wiggle loose in area of your life that has got you stuck. Have you ever felt guilty for feeling a particular way? Like, I shouldn't feel bad because my bad isn't as bad as somebody else's bad. It's like you feel guilty because you've got all these good things going for you, but there's one area of your life that like you're struggling in and you have so much judgment against that one area because you're like, well, you know, I shouldn't complain about this because somebody somewhere has it so much worse than I do. Like for me, I remember when I first had my daughter, Riley, um, I was a new mom, you know, I, I had no idea what I was doing. And both my parents and my husband's parents lived thousands of miles away. I have a sister, but she was here and she doesn't have kids. And a lot of my my girlfriends, like in my circle of friends, they didn't have kids yet. I was one of the first ones to have a child. So they had no idea what I was going through. So there wasn't a whole lot of like local support and understanding for what it was that that I was experiencing at the time. And and also at the time, I had a pretty high profile career in broadcasting, a lot of responsibility and demands. And balancing that responsibility and demands of a professional career, as well as this child at home, which I've never done before, I've never been a mom before, and blending that home life with my work life and finding a balance between it all was a real struggle. It was a real struggle. The first few years of my daughter's life, you know, I struggled to figure it out. I I struggled to find the time to know what to do to be me. And what I realized looking back now, hindsight, you know, like 13 years, if you will, is I also struggled with judgment. And it wasn't judgment from my in-laws. It wasn't judgment from my parents or my sister or my friends. It was nothing like that. It was actually worse. It was the judgment I had of myself. I remember thinking, I only have one kid. Why is this so hard? I don't know how people with two kids do it. Hell, I have a friend who has five children. And I'm like, how the hell do you do that? I can't even do one. And then the judgment would creep in. That that judgment sounded like... You might be able to relate to this. You might be able to relate to this with kids, with work, with family, whatever it may be. But for me, that judgment at the time sounded like I shouldn't feel overwhelmed. I shouldn't feel like I'm out of time or burnt out because I only have one kid. You know, people out there have a lot of other kids, which for me just meant that they had more than one. You know, they have it so much harder than I do. Like, what do I have to complain about? Sure, I have this high profile job, but you know what? At least I have a job. I should be happy. I should be happy that I have a job that I love, even though it really stresses me out. I should be happy that I only have to do laundry for one kid, you know, put one kid to bed, keep track of just one kid at the grocery store, deal with only like one temper tantrum at the time. Like those families that have more than one kid, they have it so much harder than I do. Like I should be grateful. Have you ever done this? Have you ever like minimized what it was you were going through because someone out there has it worse off than you do? I mean, 
if you live through the pandemic, if, if, if you were alive in 2020 in the chaos of quarantine and everything, you've done this. We went through like a year of this and some aspects of it we're still dealing with right now. But like, you know, at the time you were annoyed because you had to adjust your job and your family life and learn how to work from home while the kids were going to school at the kitchen table. But at least you have a job. At least, you know, your kids are are safe. At least they have the Chromebook or the computer to, to keep up with school. There are families out there that have lost their job. There are families out there whose kids don't have the technology or the Wi-Fi to go to school, right? You know, you're frustrated because maybe your kid missed out on their senior year of high school and like all the pomp and circumstance, the football games, the prom, the graduation, the ceremonies, all that stuff. But then you're like, yeah, you know what? It could be worse. You could have a, a parent in the hospital, you know, fighting for their life with COVID, which was like a real issue in 2020. It's like you look at yourself having a hard time and you start to minimize your feelings or what it is that you're experiencing by comparing it to like the difficult times that someone else is having. This is what I was doing to myself with Riley when she was young. Like I was minimizing what it was that I was going through because I was comparing it to how hard I thought it would be to have five kids. We often tell ourselves that our pain is insignificant compared to the pain of others. Have you done this? This, my friends, this is called comparative suffering. Did you know that? Comparative suffering. I didn't know that. Like, to be honest with you, I've only recently really started to dig into this concept of comparative suffering. I have spent a considerable amount of time learning, researching, and understanding this really destructive habit because... A coaching friend pointed it out to me that I was doing it to myself. Yeah, like coaches need coaches too <laughs> because we're human. And I am super fortunate and blessed to have a community of wonderful women around me who are excellent at their jobs. And I've got coaches of my own. And when this was pointed out to me, wow, it was it was pretty profound that that I had become stuck in this destructive thought loop and no amount of self-coaching was getting me out of it. I mean, I did my thought downloads, you know, I dumped out all the thoughts I had onto a piece of paper and I looked at them, but I wasn't, I wasn't getting anywhere. You know, I ran a couple models on a few thoughts, but it wasn't moving me forward. I sat with my emotions and I really tried to process them, but they were still there. You know, at night I was writing down three things I was grateful for, but yet was still waking up in the morning spinning. And when my coach friend gently pointed out that I was engaging in comparative suffering, I had to learn more because it made sense. It made sense. Like I wasn't validating my own emotions because I thought what I was experiencing was nothing compared to what some others were experiencing. And, and I felt like my pain was less important because others had it worse than me. Have you done this? Have you done this? I, I mean, I look back on life and I've done this a lot. 
And it's no wonder we do it a lot. I mean, it's just trying to kind of make a little bit light of, of a, a topic that can be quite heavy. I mean, our parents did this. Our, our mothers especially did this. Did your mother ever tell you about the starving children in Ethiopia? Mm, mine did. My mom, bless her heart, love her to death. But man, she reminded me of those starving children in Ethiopia every single time we had Swedish meatballs. I hate Swedish meatballs. And I would refuse to eat her Swedish meatballs. And every time I sat there and I complained about the Swedish meatballs, she'd be like, well, you know what? The starving kids in Ethiopia would love to have the Swedish meatballs. And I wanted to tell her, then pack them up and ship them to them because I don't want them. But the reality is that comparative suffering, like don't be where you're at and experience what you're experiencing because somebody has it worse, shows up in so many aspects of our lives. Have you ever heard someone say, well, at least I have a job? Oh, man, that one. That one gets me. Well, at least I have a job. I've said it. I'm sure I've said it a few times over the years. But I want you to consider this. Comparative suffering may seem like a good thing at the time, like you're just counting your blessings, but it can actually hurt you. And it can hurt other people that you're applying it to. It can make you feel like someone with smaller issues isn't worth your sympathy. So for instance, let's say like, you know, a coworker is ticked off because a freeway got shut down on their way into work this morning and they were late missing a meeting for like an important account, right? And you're over there thinking, uh, yeah, buddy, like what is it that you've got to complain at? At least you've got a car. Like someone hit my car parked in front of my house this week, took off. Now I don't know who hit my car. I got to submit it to insurance and Uber to work all week. Do you see how like there's that comparative suffering? It's like you're going through more than what they're going through. So you minimize their experience. It's like just because you don't have a car and you got to jump through all these hoops doesn't mean that your coworker still doesn't deserve compassion for what they're going through. Just because my friend is juggling five kids doesn't mean I don't deserve compassion for the struggles I'm experiencing with managing one child. Like suffering and pain doesn't have to be ranked or scored with points. In fact, it shouldn't be because pain isn't a contest. It's actually like a part of life. It's not like if you're feeling overwhelmed a lot, you get more suffering points than someone who, I don't know, got the wrong DoorDash meal. But, you know, fewer suffering points than someone who's about to have heart surgery. We shouldn't rank and score suffering because pain is pain. You don't have to beat yourself up or anyone else for that matter, just because you're not going through a struggle so epic that like the local news station is doing a story on it. It doesn't have to be that bad for you to honor it and acknowledge it. Your feelings don't magically disappear just because someone has it worse off than you. I, I get how comparative suffering, and I think the reason why we do it so often is because we think that it's helping us to put things into perspective. And you know what it does? Sometimes it does. I get it. But there is a real danger to it. And that danger is it can minimize the legitimacy of your own feelings. I'm going to tell you right now, your feelings are legitimate. Your feelings are worthy. Your feelings deserve attention as well no matter where they fall on the line of little to big. I mean, sure, my friend with five kids is busy. I mean, she is busy. But that doesn't mean 
the busyness that I'm experiencing with one kid isn't a lot for me. Just because I'm not parenting five kids doesn't invalidate the struggle that I have parenting one. Like when you give yourself permission to feel all the feelings, all the feels that you're experiencing without that judgment and without that comparison, what you're doing is you're allowing yourself to be exactly where you are. And in essence, it's going to allow other people to be exactly where they are because you're not wrestling with your own experience and you have that compassion for where they are. Y'all know about Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. Brene Brown is an amazing woman. Um, she writes fabulous books and, and she does a ton of research on shame and vulnerability, two very powerful emotions. But she also has a podcast and the podcast is called Unlocking Us. Now in her podcast, of which I have consumed a lot since I've really dove into this comparative suffering topic, she she actually, <laughs> this was fascinating to me. She talked about comparative suffering and compared it to empathy pizza. I know, stick with me here. I'm going to I'm gonna read you an excerpt, like a part of a, a, a transcription from this podcast. All right, all right, here we go. The entire myth of comparative suffering comes from the belief that empathy is finite. That empathy is like a pizza, like it has eight slices. So when you practice empathy with someone or even with yourself, there's less to go around. So if I'm kind and gentle and loving towards myself around these feelings, if I give myself permission to feel them and give myself some resources and energy of care around them, then I'll have less to give for the people who really need it. Like while I'm empathetic with myself, there's less to go around because empathy is finite. False, 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 she says. When we practice empathy with ourselves and others, we create more empathy. Love y'all is the last thing we need to ration in this world. The exhausted doctor in the ER room does not benefit more if you can serve your kindness only for her and withhold it from yourself or your coworker who lost their job. The surest way to ensure that you have a reserve of compassion and empathy for others is to attend to your own feelings. Yes, Brene Brown, like preach sister. And there it is. It's just like when you get on an airplane, folks, and they tell you to make sure that you put your own mask on before you put anybody else's on. Like you got to put your mask on first before you take care of someone else. The same applies in life. And that's not selfish. I think as high achieving working moms, a lot of times we feel like we've got to put others first at all times. No, 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 sister. This is not selfish. This is self-care. And when you take care of yourself, you put your own oxygen mask on first. You give yourself compassion. You give yourself empathy. You are in a much better place to take care of others. And you're, you're taking care of others from a place of abundancy. You have more to give because you've given it to yourself first. When we come from a place of scarcity of like, there's so little to go around, then we get what's left over, which usually isn't a lot. So how do you take care of yourself? How do you take care of yourself and practice that self-care and diminish 
that comparative suffering? Well, practice empathy and start with yourself. Like putting yourself down because you're not struggling, but have it so much better than someone else, that is going to absolutely kill the empathy that you have for others. Like the best way to to make sure that you're compassionate for others is by practicing compassion with yourself. The other way that you can take care of yourself is start using the word and more. A-N-D, and. Like I'm overwhelmed and struggling with one kid now, but others feel the same or worse raising five kids. Do you see how that like minimizes my experience because my perception is somebody has it so much harder than I do? So again, start using the word and. So in this example, try, like I'm overwhelmed and struggling with one kid right now and others feel the same or worse raising five kids. Like it can be both. It can be both. It's not either or. They're having a hard time and I'm having a hard time. They're in pain because of X, Y, and Z, and I'm in pain because of X, Y, and Z. Even though what you think they're experiencing may be more than you, that's okay too. And you're still experiencing whatever it is that you're experiencing. And making space for that is how you show that compassion and empathy towards yourself. The other thing you can do to help take care of yourself from a place of self-care that is not selfish is talk to someone. Like be honest with how you're feeling. Honor those emotions and that experience that you're going through because it is real. It is real to you. And if you deny it, if you try to escape it, if you try to cover up for it, it is going to fester. And I'm going to tell you right now, I know this from experience, it is going to explode and it usually will at the most inopportune time. So pay attention to it. Pay attention to those emotions. Pay attention to those feelings. Acknowledge them, honor them. And one of the best ways to do that is by talking to someone about them. That could be a friend, that could be a family member, that could be a therapist, that could be a coach. It doesn't matter. Everybody goes through hard times. Everyone. It's part of life. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with you. It means you're human. So sharing your human experience with another human allows you to have that kind of connection that we as humans need. And it also can create a tremendous amount of relief, like just sharing it and putting it out into the world. You're like, ah, you can breathe. You can catch your breath a little bit. And when you work with a therapist or a coach like myself, what you'll do is you'll learn some coping mechanisms, some healthy strategies to navigate what it is that you're experiencing. If you need to get it more than just off your chest and have someone to talk to about it and breathe life to what it is that you're experiencing, sometimes that in and of itself is enough. Great. Honor your emotions. But sometimes you might need to to develop some skills and some strategies surrounding what it is that you're going through. And that's where a therapist or coach can really come in to help out. Depending on what you're going through, it's going to depend on which one is, is best suited for you. If you are in trauma, then then a therapist is what you need. Because most coaches, not all, but I would venture to say most coaches um, don't have the education or the skill set to really help somebody who is going through that trauma 
sense of things. Now, if you've processed trauma but are still struggling, then a coach can help you. Like the difference really between a therapist and a coach on a very basic, simplistic sense, if I can give you some perspective here, is like a therapist kind of takes a look at what's happened in your past to help you understand what's happening today. And a coach looks at what's happening today and helps you get where you want to go tomorrow. So like therapy really can dive into the past. Coaching really looks at present and the future. That doesn't mean that like as a coach, we don't you know talk about your past. It's not off limits, but I know what I'm capable of and what my skill set is best served for. And it's not diving into trauma. That is best for a therapist, but a coach or a therapist, whatever it may be, they're going to help you manage your mind. They're going to help you manage your behavior and yourself, which is super helpful, especially when you find yourself in this thought loop in that struggling of comparative suffering. And you know what? If, if there's really one thing that I want you to get out of this podcast, it's this. Through all of which I've just shared with you that you could probably relate to on some level or another minimizing what it is that you're feeling because somebody somewhere has it worse than you or when you're in the hurt locker and you keep getting gut punched and things are really tough if you don't have understanding or empathy when somebody's going through something that's less than what you're going through then I want you to remember this no one goes through life without pain and the last thing you need to do is pretend your pain isn't valid now this idea may be new to you. <laughs> it really may be new to you and that's okay. Like I was today years old when, when I really started to learn this for myself. So if this is new for you, that's okay. Go back and listen to this podcast again. See where you've done this to yourself. See where you've done this to other people, not from a place of judgment, but from a place of curiosity and awareness. And then see how you can start practicing empathy with yourself. Find the places where you can start using the word and more because two people can both experience pain at the same time and usually do. It doesn't make one better or worse. It's just and. And talking to someone can help. Whether that's within your circle of friends, at the church, your family, whatever it may be, a coach, a therapist, but getting it off your chest a lot of times just feels so good. All right, my friends, that's what I have for you this week. I'll see you next. Listen, if you're still feeling a little stuck and need a little help right now, wiggling loose, I got you. I put together a guide, a free guide to help you feel better right now. These are simple strategies that you can start today to feel better faster. Just go to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. That's the number four, waystofeelbetter.com. I tell you, these are going to help you slow down, take a breath, gain some perspective and control of what's happening in your life right now. And it's free because we could all use a little help and I'm here to help. Grab it by going to fourwaystofeelbetter.com. Again, that's the number four, waystofeelbetter.com and start wiggling loose.